Hi, counseling friends. Are you wondering why you should join the Perks Counseling Content Club? Well, first, it's your one-stop shop for all counseling resources. Imagine having everything from interactive tools and templates to complete Tier 1, 2, and 3 curriculum kits at your fingertips. Plus, it offers a fantastic community support system and professional development opportunities tailored just for school counselors. So if you're ready to revolutionize your counseling game, join the club today. Trust me, it's a game changer. To join, just go to www.perkscontentclub.com. You're listening to the Counselor Chat Podcast, a show for school counselors looking for easy to implement strategies, how-to tips, collaboration, and a little spark of joy. I'm Carol Miller, your host. I'm a full-time school counselor and the face behind Counseling Essentials. I'm all about creating simplified systems, data-driven practices, and using creative approaches to engage students. If you're looking for a little inspiration to help you make a big impact on student growth and success, you're in the right place because we're better together. Ready to chat? Let's dive in. Everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Counselor Chat. Today, we're going to be talking with Kristen Moffitt, who is a school counselor at the Walker School down in Georgia. And we are going to talk all about how we can really teach our students about race and racism and incorporate these lessons into our, in particular, our elementary curriculum. But I think this information is good for counselors, no matter what age level they're with. So I hope you stick around and join us and really enjoy this little interview that I have with Kristen. So welcome counselors to the Counselor Chat Podcast. We are so happy that you are here with us today. I have a special guest with me today. Her name is Kristen Moffat and she is a first through fifth grade school counselor at the Walker School in Georgia. Kristen, welcome. Thank you, Carol, for having me. This is my first podcast experience, so I'm glad it's with you. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, this is only like my 12th podcast, so, you know, we're we're both newbies. We're in this together. (laughs) Okay, then. Here we go. Let's do it. Here we go. Let's do it. So, as we begin, can you just... Like, I know I introduced your name, but do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and um, how long you've been a school counselor so that our listeners know a little something? Yes, of course. Um, Sure. So, again, I'm Kristen Moffitt, and I live in Georgia. I um, started my school counseling journey um, in uh, 2001, my first job. And I worked in a public system for about 12, 13 years in Cobb County. And um, I stayed with the same school the whole time. It was a um, Title I school um, in in Cobb County again. So um, lots of effort um, just working to support students and their needs, really when it came to their security and safety and and, um, basic needs kind of work, if you will. And then um, I had an opportunity to move um, to another school, actually just a couple miles down the road. This school is an independent school. And I've been here for 10 years. So I guess that puts me in about 22, 23 years of being a school counselor. Um, in the school I'm in currently, I'm um, 
still, you know, kid needs are kid needs no matter where you go. Um, but I'm not really dealing with basic needs, if you will, in my current environment. I, you know, dealing with lots of anxiety, um, worries about um, any sort of transition and changes, um, dealing with emotional regulation. Um, and so those things that, um, that kids need everywhere. And I had a couple um, administrative roles along the way, but I've really found myself coming back to this field and this work. I just think it's so important. Um, I've had some um, work with transitioning um, transgender students as well and have done presentations on that, just kind of on a side note. And But today's topic is really focused more on uh, race and racism and having discussions with students of an elementary age, developing a vocabulary around these topics of diversity and um, in order to grow and change and really just be good humans. Yeah, I, that is such, such important work. And I just want to say to our listeners that you are going to be one of our presenters at our summer counselor conference. And I am so excited to listen to your session. But for those of you that are listening, Kristen's session is called More Than Diversity, DEI Race and Racism Lessons for Elementary Students. So I think that is so, so, so needed for our kids today. Um, do you want to share a little bit about your session and how we can actually work with our elementary kiddos when it comes to topics of diversity? Yeah, absolutely. So first, I think it's very important that our listeners know that I am a white female. And so as we dive into things dealing with race and racism, I think it's important to know that, you know, I come from an experience of not, not experiencing racism. Um, that's never happened to me. My um, experience with racism, racism has been walking alongside students experiencing these things or witnessing things that I needed to educate. And so um, I just think it's important that that our listeners understand the background piece and I'm certainly not coming on to say that um, I am an expert at all of this. I'm not an expert at race and racism instruction. However, our school had to um, do some bending and twisting and learning um, back in 2020 um, when really some of this racial unrest came to a head as we were dealing with COVID. If we want to think back to that time, it was a rough, um, rough year um, dealing with COVID, dealing with education and dealing with lots of racial unrest when it came to um, the uh, deaths of George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, and Breonna Taylor, and how all of that influenced school and what school was like in um, our diverse student body, having conversations dealing with race and around race, even at the young age of being in first grade. Kristen, I know before the podcast, before we actually started recording, you and I were chatting just a little bit. And um, I just want to let people know that I think it's so good that as a white female that you are talking about this topic because, you know, I think so often we expect those people of color or those that have some diversity to share and to really educate us as white people um, mm -hmm. about these issues. But I think 
we have to do some of this heavy lifting. We have to take responsibility for learning and understanding why race and racism and diversity and DEI and, and all this stuff is so important and that we really become knowledgeable um, of how we can help students. So I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Uh, yes. A hundred percent. It's, um, it's it, an interesting balancing act. You know, again, I don't want to act like an expert and like, like I've experienced this before at the same time, I know that our students can be experiencing these things from time to time and knowing that we just have to educate. And a lot of this again is developing language so that we know what words mean. One of the things that I've found from being an educator in this area is that our students often confuse what race is and then what racism is and separating those two, um, I guess, because the words sound so similar, but separating those two and being able to say race is a wonderful thing. It is who you are. It's how you're made. It's how people you know can see you. It's how you see yourself. It's part of like one of your identifiers race is a wonderful thing. Racism is not. And so being able to separate those um, sometimes can be confusing for our younger ones, and which is another reason why it's so important to have these conversations at home and at school is to be able to give the language so that kids can communicate appropriately. Yeah, I agree. I completely agree. Yeah. So um, I guess maybe something I wanted to get into today is just kind of share a little bit about the, like how this work originated. It wasn't something that um, I like ran off and said, this is what we're going to do this year. It really became more of a need. Like I said, if we can think back to 2020 and all of the um, racial unrest that was happening in the world and the news and the media and the broadcasting and the conflict and all of this was swirling around, even in our younger students in their minds. And they were part of conversations, uh, you know, at home and they were part of conversations in the community and they brought lots of things they've been told or things that they had heard to school. So my first, um, I remember this like it was yesterday. I go in, it's, you know, 2020 and we have masks on. It mm-hmm. feels very um, just kind of tight, intense, just unfamiliar type of teaching because everybody was so covered up. And I remember being in a first grade classroom. So I began guidance lessons asking, hello, good humans. And I say, how was your summer? You know, just a quick intro um, before we begin our lesson. And I always call guidance lessons like this is the class where we learn to be good humans to ourselves and other people. And so kids raise their hand. They want to tell me about their summer. And I call on somebody and they say, well, I went to a protest march this summer. And then another hand raises and said, did the police hurt the black people there? And then another hand raises or maybe doesn't and yells out, you said black people, that's racist. And then another kid is saying, wait, what does racist mean? And then another student yells out, "Um, well, racism is when you don't say that black lives matter. And I sit there in class watching all of this develop and unfold. And I feel very, very unprepared. And somebody finally says, can I go to the bathroom? I'm like, yes, go to the restroom because I need to like have a moment to myself and think about how I'm going to proceed. Um, The funny thing or funny, not funny um, thing is that I went to the next classroom Almost the same exact thing happens, but it's with a third grade classroom. 
So I get the message and this moment that there is a lot of questions and there's a lot of language being used surrounding um, diversity and the racism that um, we had been exposed to over that summer. And our students, some were thirsty with knowledge or some were thirsty wanting more than others. They knew what they were talking about, um, even if even though they were seven years old. And I'm sitting there listening to all of it, feeling completely unprepared, not knowing how to move forward. So I just told myself, I've got some work to do. <laughs> and so yeah. from that point, um, I gathered my resources. I talked to my administration. I did some teamwork with my our parents of color. Um, some of the students that were in that classroom, I talked to their parents, the ones who seemed to know like what was going on, asking, you know, what conversations are you having at home? What do I need to know to be prepared to teach about these important things? Um, I worked with our diversity, our DEI uh, campus director, and thankfully my administration gave me the green light as my suspicion is that they also were receiving some um, interaction with parents or interaction with students themselves, not really having a conversation. No, I think that's really awesome that you were able to reach out to so many people to ask for their input and their, their advice of how do I move forward? How do I um, bring this to light to our kids? I think that that's awesome. Well, it was, I will tell you, it was a scary moment for me because I didn't really know quite how to proceed. There was nothing I could reach out to that I knew of curriculum wise for a young audience like this. And I wanted to make sure it was applicable and something that um, also that our parents could also grab onto and, and also feel adequate in the way to, and, and felt supported in a way to be able to teach at home. Right. So this was a year of 2020 where very, you know, parent communication to the school, there wasn't a whole lot of in-person um, time together. So a lot of these things were done on Zoom and um, online communication. Um, and really it was trying to piece together something that could be taught first through fifth, a, some sort of curriculum with a common language and each lesson tagging something. So we, with help with parents, again, I'm not taking all credit for this, I have parents and administration and people helping me. We made a five lesson type of curriculum that each one really tags and focuses on that DEI feel. So we had lesson on diversity, a lesson on equity, a lesson on inclusion, a lesson on race, a lesson on racism. So that we could start build that to build that foundation where kids had the ability to have conversations and know what the words meant. That is awesome. So when you did I just have a question. As a as you were doing this lessons, do you go into classes weekly or bi-weekly? Like how often are you with kids? Great question. Well, the COVID year was a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, I'm in um, once a month, but COVID was different. We had to separate all of our classrooms of 20 into many classrooms of 10 each. So okay. we had many classrooms everywhere, and I was put more on a rotation schedule because all of our teachers were rotating from room to room. Our students, to help minimize exposure, were staying in their room for everything except for PE 
Um, even music was in their room. Spanish was in their room. Science was in their room. So they had everything in their room and all of their like core classes in their room. And then all of us rotated in. So I was seeing everybody. I can't remember if it was twice a week or once a week, but it was the busiest, um, heaviest teaching load that I've had and had zero time for one-on-one or anything really outside of that. I was basic, basically felt like more like a specials rotation, if you will. Okay. Yeah. For that year. Um, but typically I'm in there once a month. Okay. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. Yes. So um, part of this was being able to communicate with our parents. I had to explain a little bit about why this was necessary, which I know our counselors out there are using a lot of data-driven type of evidence to support their work. My data that I had wasn't necessarily like numbers more than it was just like, this is what we're experiencing at school. We're experiencing confusion about comments that their peers are making in class. Um, I'm a, I see unaware students ask their peers for clarification, but then things get easily misrepresented. Um, and so this there's not much of a clear understanding for this dialogue that's happening between students. And I want to make sure that we are saying the right thing and we're he- having a very common language when it comes to talking about these really important things that apply to everyone. Part of that is we had to come up with some definitions and we had to come up with like what made sense to teach. And so part of my session will be how did we bring a definition of race or racism or equity? How did we like get that to be more of an elementary understood definition? Because some of these, especially like racism or race, they have such like heavy or like specific um types of um, vocabulary surrounding them. So we had to kind of pare some of that down to make it something that our students as young as first grade would understand. So we had our like adult definition, which for example, racism would probably be more around that, that systematic, that, what did we call it? Like the uh, conscious or subconscious belief that one race is superior over the, over the other and is more of a systematic bias or than the other, like that would be more of the adult definition, but we had to just pare it down to be like, when we treat other think people poorly due to the color of their skin. So we had to kind of do some wordsmithing to make sure all of our students were getting the same message. Right. I think anytime you do anything with elementary, you really have to um, be cognizant of the developmental level of where our kids are at and what they can understand. So I think that's great. Yes. And it was one of those things too, where I really, I had to be prepared for the why, like, why are we doing this? So part of that was part of, you know, that communication, that letter out to parents, which I'm be happy to share with our participants. Also, I thought it was something that our um, DEI person here was like, you really need to lean on the mission of the school. And this is something that goes right along with who we are as a, as a school and as a community. We share that we are a caring and diverse community where opportunities abound and meaningful relationships inspire transformative learning. So all of the why was listed right in our school mission, which made this seem like, I mean, it, it, it was something that we should be talking about and not something I'm just creating because I think it's important. This is much more global than that. Right. And I think even though your mission is specific to your school, I think just about any school district has a pretty similar mission, right? We, I think every school wants their children to grow up to be um, 
learners and good people and who care about each other and who have empathy and that that is what impacts their learning, right? And makes them these awesome learners. So I think that's what we're all looking for. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, that's why I think the school counseling profession is so important is because you might be the best mathematician or the best, you know, in your science class, but if you can't work with others or if you can't navigate those soft skills that are necessary, then how are you going to make it when it starts to be time to choose a career path? Like you have to know how to work with people. Those soft skills are so, so, so important. And this is part of that part of understanding the world and being prepared for the world and knowing how to navigate something when you see something that's not right, um, which is hard for adults. I mean, it's difficult for adults to do these things. So I'm hopeful as school counselors in general are having these conversations about being active bystanders, about standing up for what's right, that we're going to start to build these soft skills where we're not scared to say something when we see something that doesn't seem right. Exactly. Because these skills you know, I think about just the world in general and going in places and I can definitely see a difference. Like when I walk into a store and I see the manager who's speaking kindly to their employees or to their customers, that I'm sure they have people who are going to stay with them longer as both employee and as customer than another store that doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I'll bring my business elsewhere if I don't like how I'm treated. So right. these soft skills are so important. Yeah. And I think that's part of this too, is that knowing what diversity means, knowing what inclusion means, knowing what equity means, all of these pieces are going to further good humanity. I mean, just n- being able to accept other people, being able to listen to somebody's story that you don't agree with and having some sort of civil discourse, even though it may not settle with what you think is right. Um, all of that is so necessary as we move into the world and especially just understanding that there are there seem to be very polarizing sides especially in America right now, we have to be able to listen to each other. We have to be able to have that empathy. We have to be able to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, even if it's not something that necessarily sounds right for us to begin with, because you may learn something in that process and walk away just having a better perspective. And um, even though it's not something that, that you necessarily agree in, but you might understand somebody better and maybe why they think what they think. Now, of course, when we talk about racism, I'm not saying that any of, <laughs> I would not excuse that. Um, I would not teach my students that, you know, you, you listen to somebody and um, say that it's okay for them to behave in a way that treats somebody poorly. That's obviously not okay. However, the job there is to educate and how do you do that? You know, how do you say what you need to say in a way that, again, I like to say makes a conflict, a learnable, teachable moment. So important. So, so, so important. Right. Yeah, it really is. And I think about, um, you know, our, our, I can't remember if, this is what you and I, Carol, talked about before we began recording or not. But um, just so everybody knows that in my session, um, through each lesson that we go through, we're a diversity lesson, 
equity, inclusion, race, and racism. There are reflection sheets for every single lesson. And I think that's so important because as we talk about these bigger things and getting to know ourselves better, I think it's always going to be important for our kids to have those reflective moments and think about like, what did I know before? What do I know now? What do I think now? Um, And what's the biggest lesson or takeaway that I have from what we talked about in guidance today? All of that is, is, is important to do as we're learning. But all of these, I recognize that not all schools can have these open-ended types of lessons or dialogue with their students. And I know there are rules that are placed around some of these conversations. So the participants um, who are interested or who want um, my my reflection sheets, they are all going to be editable. So you can make it or change it or alter it in a way that your school would see as a supported lesson for you. Right. And I just love reflection sheets, first of all, because yeah. we just give so much information about what the kid is processing or how they're processing the information that we just taught them. Um, because really, as counselors, that's what we're doing. We are actually teaching, whether it's a coping skill or, regu- you know, how to regulate or how to be peaceful and show empathy towards others, you know, kids have to process that. And we all learn at different rates and ways. And so those reflection sheets are are awesome. I can't wait to see them personally. Well, don't get too excited. I don't want to oversell it because I'm, t- I'm not the creative type. <laughs> so they're not as beautiful as I know what some of our um, wonderful counselors would do. And I hope that you make that whoever takes them makes them better. Like that's the thing can make them for you, make them better. Um, lots of opportunities for that, for sure. Right. Um, but I also love that you have five different lessons. I mean, the whole, all the topics that you have are really fantastic. I thought like I was doing a great job just going in with like one lesson on identity and how identity, what identity means. But you are really going deep with this. And I, I just love that. It's well, it's interesting. I've done it for a couple of years now. So I've had to change up some things or try something a little different because you don't want to do like repeats, you know, obviously. Um, message is pretty, pretty much consistent and the same, but I'll use a different book or a different type of activity um, to help nail down whatever the goal is for that lesson. But one interesting takeaway that I've had, which I did not expect, I will say, there's a lot of things I did expect. This one came out of the blue was that when we had our conversations about diversity, they were kind of, we were used to that. Um, We got into inclusion. So those felt a lot like bullying lessons, you know, like how we always talk about how you include others. So we had exposure to that word, um, just maybe not in this sense. And the other piece was the equity piece, which was really fun to talk about and which I didn't expect that to be as exciting to the kids. And I'll explain, if you come to my session, you'll see what I mean there. The one thing that was interesting, though, that I did not expect was when we talked about race, there was one particular subset of kids who were very unfamiliar with what race they were. And our white students continuously identified themselves as peach all the time. That's what they were. They were peach, 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 peach. And and I understand that probably comes from the crayon usage of what they use when they color themselves. And at the same time, I thought, my goodness, that makes me think that our possibly our white families just aren't 
having, there's not a need necessarily to talk about race as, oops, sorry about that. I just recorded myself on my watch. But our white families may not have that, you know, need to talk about their races often as our people and our families of color. Um, most of my kids of color knew what race they would identify with, knew exactly like what bubble they would fill out in their doctor's forms or whatever, but our our, our white kids were still calling themselves peach. So it was a really good opportunity to apply race to everyone, knowing that that is something that they will need down the line when they start having to fill out those forms. They start having to have conversations um, with each other about who they are. You know, I don't think it's just your school because I have kiddos in my school that say that they're peach too. Yeah. So I, it might be, maybe it is from a Crayola. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. There's actually a book that's called, I'm going to get this wrong. Um, it's about a, a little girl who is an activist. I'm going to find it. Hold on. A little girl who was an activist, basically. Um, and she realized that when everybody was coloring skin color, on whatever they were working on, that peach was referred as the skin colored crayon. And so she went, I'm going to find it right here. Hold on. She went to um, really act, be an activist at a very young age to bring more diverse crayons into the building, making sure everybody could have something that really matched who they were. And um, it's a true story. Hold on. I'm going to want to find it right now. So I won't leave you hanging here. It's called More Than Peach. More, More Than, than Peach. peach. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to look that up. And for our listeners, I will look that up. I'm going to check it with you. And then I'm going to drop the link in the show notes so that oh people want to check it out. Because I want to check it out. Um, More Than Peach. Uh, they can. So yeah. Woodward is the author. Who's the author? Woodward. Or sorry, Woodard. W-O-O-P-A-R-D. Yeah. Okay. All right, listeners. We're going to have that for you in the... <laughs> In the show notes. Yeah. So again, to your point, it's happening everywhere, right? It's happening everywhere. (laughs) Definitely everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, Yeah. So I'm going to this. Her name is Bellen Woodard. And uh, she was the one who decided to bring more of a message of inclusivity and empowerment um, by creating a project called the More Than Peach Project. So crayons with every single kind of kid in in mind to transform the crayon industry. So that was really part of what she did. And it's a picture book, like it's it's perfect for any elementary age, um, you know, and and above. So so it's definitely a good resource to have. Awesome, very cool. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us? Any um, other good books or? Oh gosh, I'm going to have so m- I've put a list of resources together. Um, about with books and their message and who and linked Amazon links with them. So that'll be a part of my resource packet. FYI, in my resource packet for participants, I will have book titles listed, their authors and um, a, the message, the main message that it carries. And it's also linked Amazon wise. So you can click on it and go straight to Amazon and purchase it from there if you're interested in that. Um The one thing I guess I did want to talk about was the equity piece. There are very Mm -hmm. little books, not too many, at least I can find. So guys out there, if you have any good kids books, like picture books dealing with equity, I am all ears. That's one of the areas that I just found there wasn't a whole lot of like 
book resources out there, bibliotherapy resources. So um, there was one book that I did find just recently. I wish I'd have had it a couple of years ago. And it's called A Little Book About Equity. And um, equity, the, now I guess I'll give a little tag here or tease here, but the equity lesson was one of the most fun lessons. And I'll, I'll, you know how you look forward to certain ones more than others. Oh, definitely. (laughs) I know. (laughs) I really, really enjoyed talking to the kids about equity. We also, it's interesting, it really did support our school in the way I didn't expect. Because when we talk about equity, we talk about you get what you need, right? And not everything, Mm -hmm. not everybody gets the same thing. So we did some different activities with that. Um, the um, book that I found, again, is called A Little Book About Equity, and it, it it's a, actually a board book. So it looks like it's probably for like a toddler, <laughs> if you will. Um, but it talks about imagine wearing ice skates on the beach. Imagine reading a book in a language you don't know. Now imagine having the thing that is just the right thing for you. And that's part of what equity is all about. We at my school have an immersive dyslexia program. So our students in the dyslexic classrooms, they get specialized instruction. They also receive things like extended time. They receive things like being able to use a calculator. And we all as educators know about different accommodations that our students have. What was interesting about equity is when our school began to use that word and our students as young as first grade were able to use that word, we knew that, you know, it's not lucky that somebody gets to use a calculator on their math exam, or it's not lucky that somebody gets to voice type their um, paper. What that means is that what's that they are getting what they need to succeed and you need something different. So out of all of this dealing with race and racism came also this other piece that helped us explain to our students while education looked different for different people. I love that. So helpful. Yeah. So that was one of the things that I, that I, f- I finally found one book, but again, I would love to know if anybody has more and <laughs> more ideas because I, I continue to look for books about equity for kids. Um, I'm trying to think of other things that I might walk away with. Um, the biggest thing is I think that students just understand themselves better and they understand that differences are to be celebrated. And also, the when we talk about racism, I what I've noticed is that there still is some confusion. Like if I say some, if somebody is white or black or Indian, like there may be a child that says, wait, wait, is that racist? And I was like, no, that's not racist. Race is not, when you talk about race, that's a wonderful thing. That's who they are. That is not racist. Race is a great thing. Racism is not. Let me tell you how that would look. So it's caused kids to question things, which I think is so, so important. And they're being more thoughtful. And uh, even though, you know, they may not be 100%, you know, on target with everything, they are talking about it, which is exactly what I want them to do. Exactly what a school, that's what you're supposed to do in school is to talk and learn and reflect and grow. And, um, that has been a, a good thing that I think has come out of having these really open discussions about these topics is our children are now starting to question and learn and think more when it comes to seeing some seeing something that they just don't think is right or hearing something and saying, wait, is that the right way to phrase that? Being, being just reflective on themselves in order to strive to be that 
good human that we talk about all the time. Right. No, so good. I think, you know, even as educators, I think that's what we need to do as well. We need to sit back and reflect. And no matter where you are in your learning or how much you think you know, I think there's always more to learn. And being reflective and being able to say, hmm, could I have done this better is such an important skill. That, yeah, it really is. It's a really... We've done some work as a faculty on understanding our unconscious bias and um, knowing our blind spots, things of that nature, because no matter, like you said, no matter young, first grade, all the way till, you know, we're ready to retiring and get out of the education business and go to the beach all the time. We are always growing and learning. And it's important that we are constantly reflecting about how our brain was formed in those transformative mm-hmm. years and what kind of blinders and boxes have we put people in and challenge, so challenge it, challenge each other, challenge our own thinking. Um, because all of us have been shaped and formed to think in certain ways. It's just how the brain works. The brain works that we put people in boxes. It helps us understand society better and understand social situations better the point is, is that we have to undo the things that, that our brain was taught so that we can continue to grow and learn um, as we reflect upon, you know, how we were raised. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think for our little kids, especially just kids in general, it's, some of it is just their personal experience because they haven't lived life yet you know they're still little and their experiences are just what they've been exposed to mm-hmm. so it's just adding to the exposure a little bit more that's exactly right and you can think like travel has not been what it was before and our kiddos didn't get to really experience the world if they had the means to do so um mm-hmm. so a lot of that was removed during the past couple of years and you know as we get back into our normal type of lifestyles and living. Um, and it was, we start to see the world more. That is such a big piece of growing and learning about people and how, and just how the world is made. You know, our biggest, my biggest thing is I want my own children to be ready for that world when they leave school. And I don't want anything to be a surprise to them. I want them to say like, Oh, I've experienced, you know, this before, or uh, having dinner at this place before this culture, this food. And um, you know, part of, that's just part of figuring out who you are also is learning about the different people around you. Yeah. I know we, our school, I'm part of our, our equity team at our school, our inclusion team. Mm-hmm. And we have done, I think a lot of work this year in terms of exposing our kids to different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it goes, we're trying to incorporate every kind of um, diversity, whether, you know, we talked about poverty and we talked about um, students that might have learning disabilities or students that have autism and how our students maybe react or experience different things. Um, We had our OTs this has nothing really to do with race and racism, but for diversity, we had our OTs set up like this obstacle course for our kids so that they could understand what it was like to 
be in sensory overload or Mm -hmm. uh, why some of our kids might need different, different things. So we've been really working hard to try to eliminate certain biases, but you know, like everyone else, we have so much more work to do. So each year, I think we're just going to add and add. So I'm really, I'm so excited to really hear these lessons because I want to know what I can steal and and incorporate into (laughs) our own. So well, I hope you can make you can make it all prettier with all the the things that I've put out there. You can make it look nicer and prettier, and then you can send them back to me. And, and I will oh, I like making things look pretty. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll be making it look pretty. I know. I know who I'm talking to here. Yes. <laughs> Very good. So, all right. Well, this has been really great. Really great. Well, um, I, I appreciate so. you asking um, for volunteers and I appreciate you giving me the opportunity for my first podcast. Well, I think this is going to be really fantastic. I think our listeners are going to just love hearing this. Um, and I just want to add that once again, that you are going to be one of our speakers at the Summer Counselor Conference. And for our people that are listening to this now, well, I will have a link in the show notes so that you can sign up because trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. We have 35 speakers, two amazing, amazing keynotes, and it's just going to be awesome. Awesome. That's all I can say. Well, I can't wait. And I'm so excited to be a participant in these sessions as well. Um, I'm excited because my brain will be in summer mode. So I'll be able to really like dig in and, um, you know, I won't have like all the craziness of school in my head quite yet. So I appreciate the timing of it. And I look forward to just um, sitting back and learning and um, just so excited to be a part of this. Thank you, Carol, so much for doing this and leading this charge. And thank you for letting us do it from the comfort of our home as well. I know PD is so important and I don't know about you, but I am truly tired of listening to PD on math or social studies, but it's <laughs> nothing to do with me. So uh, yes. this is all about the school counselors, all about them. Yes. Well, thank you for all of it. And I know many people sing your praises and I'm certainly a big fan. So thank you. Oh, that's so sweet. All right. just want to say thank you, everyone, for joining us here today. We are so excited. And thank you, Kristen, for joining us. For everyone else, have a really fantastic week. And can't wait till we chat again. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Counselor Chat. All of the links I talked about can be found in the show notes and at counselingessentials.org forward slash podcast. Be sure to hit follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you would be so kind to leave a review, I'd really appreciate it. Want to connect? Send me a DM on Facebook or Instagram at Counseling Essentials. Until next time, can't wait till we chat. Bye for now.